The year is 1975. It is Sunday, April 13th, and through 63 holes at Augusta National, Jack Nicklaus and Tom Weiskopf are tied for the lead at 11 under par. Johnny Miller is two shots back, and no one else is close. The next up is Tom Watson, all the way back at six under. Big Jack is in the lead. Who can actually beat this guy at Augusta National? Well, a couple men actually came really close. This is a pod unlike any other. I'm your host, Sean Zock, and we are diving headfirst into the final round of the 1975 Masters. That is right. We are celebrating the run-up to the first major of the year by breaking down some of the most exciting Masters tournaments in golf history, beginning this year, 1975. I watched the entire final round broadcast. It's more than two hours long, and that's just the back nine. I did it for you, though. And I also had to do it because I asked Jeff Ritter Thanks, and Josh Burhow to watch it on their own and take notes. There are plenty of things that we must discuss. But first, a few notes from me. It's 1975. Wheel of Fortune has just premiered on NBC. Franco Harris won Super Bowl MVP for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Volkswagen introduces a new car line. A new VW is here. Golf, the Volkswagen Compact. A lot of power, a lot of space, a lot of fun. Now down in Augusta, Georgia, it is the 39th Masters. How much money does the winner take home, do you think? Um... 80 grand. Yeah, it was, that's about what I would, it was less than I would have yeah. even expected. Half of that. Yeah. 40 grand. 40, 40 grand. Okay. $40,000. 2% of what Patrick Reed made last year. 2%. Can you believe these guys were even nervous playing for 40 grand? <laughs> Johnny Vegas <laughs> tied for 38th last year and took home 46 grand, despite being a huge battle at the top of the leaderboard. But after the names, Nicholas Weisskopf Miller, you've got. Tom Watson, Billy Casper, Hale Irwin, Lee Trevino, Arnold Palmer. You've got all these Bobby guys. Nichols. <laughs> and Bobby Nichols. It's always a random on every exactly. Sunday. Murderer's Row of pro golf in the 70s. And I say first page of the leaderboard as if there's a second page. There is no second page. It's 1975. That's kind of how good as a broadcast would get. It's having one, one page. It's not exactly elaborate. But the broadcast had Vince Scully. I'm a fan. I don't, I don't know how I didn't know it, but I just... Maybe I once knew and forgot. I don't know. I just was surprised and forgotten that Vince, Vince Scully was ever involved in the yeah. Masters. So. Well, we just know him to be the baseball guy, right? Yeah, the, the, sure. the legendary baseball guy. And Jim Nance is basically the legendary golf broadcaster. He does a lot of other things, and he's as good as it gets. But it was nice having Vince Scully's voice in there. That was cool. I just I don't know. I did not expect it. Did There's you some- like? Did you like how they introduced all the different uh, was- analysts by hole, like twenty minutes in or so? Yeah. So that's that's an important part of the broadcast. Is about twenty minutes in. You go to Jim Jim Thacker on the 12th <laughs> hole. He's calling all the 12th hole. And you got Pat Summerall calling all the 13th hole. And each of these guys has a little stand-up moment. I'm Jim Thacker reporting from number 12, 155 yards over Ray's Creek, a par 3. That's one of the more important parts of the entire two-hour clip is that Jim Thacker is wearing a lime green jacket. I was going to say, it's an important part of the broadcast, mostly for the suits. The suits are, are incredible. It is a... Uh... It's just a power tour of uh, polyester. It really is, but lime green jacket. Like you would never, you can't even wear a lime green jacket if you're a fan to Augusta these days, much less be a broadcaster of it. But that was a cool part. Absolutely star-studded broadcast, and they break down all the characters. Obviously, the characters are Jack Nicklaus, 35 years old. He has 12 majors to this point in his life. Tom Weisskopf, 33 years old, 
He has one major. He's won a British Open. Johnny Miller, 27. He has one major. He's won the U.S. Open at Oakmont. You have Tom Watson, 26 years old, has not won a major, has just one career victory. So Tom Watson, really before he's about to break out, and you've got Arnold Palmer also getting or a lot of uh, TV time but not really contending. He has seven majors. He's 46 years old. I don't know. what Everybody looks 10 years older than that, though. I don't know if it's advancements in sunscreen or what it is, <laughs> but there's something going on. Like Jack, a 35-year-old Jack looks absolutely yeah. – 45. I mean, he's supposed to be in And he looks prime. great now for his age. Don't get me wrong. But like back then, somehow, everybody everybody looks older this than they are. Benjamin Buttoning, I think. But to show you how good that leaderboard was, too, if you, I think it was the 12th hole Jack was teeing off, and they mentioned at that point seven. Seven of the top eight each has won at least one major championship. Here's the exception, which the only one who was something about Tom Watson. Tom Watson. It was Tom Watson. <laughs> they kept yeah. calling young Tom Watson, you know, who's this guy? And. He'd go on to win 38 more times on tour. And mm. I think three months after that, after that Masters, he yep. won at Carnoustie, exactly. his first of five British Open. So exactly. that was a ridiculous leaderboard. All right. So I want to get to, uh, in every episode, I want to get to the non-championship scenes or parts that you have to watch. The must-watch, like, non-championship moments. You might not want to watch the entire two-hour final round. We did. We sat through it on a holiday weekend. But do yourself a favor and watch these parts. My first part is, it's about a nine-minute section. And it begins at the eight-minute mark. And it basically has everything to do with the 12th hole. One of the best holes in the world. It starts with Arnie hitting his approach into the 12th hole. And Arnie almost holes out. On this, you know, it's the same pin that it's always at on Sunday at the Masters. But Arnie bounces it once, hits. No, I think he hits a flag stick on the hits fly. Hits the flag on the fly, yeah. Yeah, almost dunked it. Almost dunks it for an ace on the 12th hole, which is kind of hard to imagine these days. And honestly, the thing that stood out to me is that Arnie is freaking yoked. He's huge. Yeah. He's built like a free safety. Yeah. He's got the Popeye forearms and some of the some of the seventies fashion actually does look good that day, but no one looks better than Arnie in those like high collar shirts. Yeah. And he just he he looks like a I understand star. why he, he, he has looks so like many a Hollywood fans. star. He does. With with the visor, the hair, he looks freaking great. But then a few minutes later, Lee Trevino tees it up. And he almost aces the twelfth hole. This little clip, this time in the in the final round, shows Arnie hitting a ridiculous swing to try and hit a draw. And then Lee Trevino hits this little buttery cut. And it's just, at that time, I felt like there wasn't one swing on tour. You know, like these days, it feels like everyone kind of has the same approach swing. But back then, these guys are actually like working the ball around with their hips. And it just... I thought the same thing. Like Arnie's, Arnie's finish was even better than I expected. Like that swing was just truly one of a kind. It was cool to watch. Yeah, and I admittedly don't go back, you know, in the archives and watch a lot of old golf. And... Seeing this, you know, the swings are just so different. You mm -hmm. don't see it really at Bryson DeChambeau swing out there, you know? Oh, totally. Now, as Trevino hits his ball towards the green, he says, be tight. And I don't think you always hear guys saying that these days. And then the, the thing that threw me off was that the broadcaster says, how's that, how's that for behavior by the little white pellet? And I thought for a second <laughs> that he was just being really racist and saying something about Lee Trevino, but he was just talking about the golf ball. Either way, that's that's one of the most watchable parts of the, the final round. Do you guys have anything other? The caddies get so into it. And, oh, yeah. you know, no one had their own caddy then. Cool. It was all Augusta National caddies. But I think it was Wise, and this will, we'll probably get into this a little bit later too, but Wisecoff on 14 makes birdie. 
that gave him the lead at the time. Mm-hmm. His caddy like did this like kind of sidestep thrust, and as it was going in, it was just you don't you don't see that right now. Totally, it's almost like everyone gets so mad at Damon Green for his like birdie, you know, flapping his arms when he when I guess it used to be Zach Johnson would make a birdie. This was like a different level. That's almost people find annoying, but this was kind of fun to watch. The other part that I think is it's worth looking back at. It's probably a ten second clip. So much shorter than the other one I pointed out is how Tom Weiskopf made a drop on the 11th hole. And Josh, you're snapping your fingers. I was going to mention that. Yeah, yeah. One, not only would the people just don't go in the water there anymore, they just they bail out right because it's a difficult hole and the design of it, it really doesn't set up for a draw. So people don't very often come close to even landing in the water. So Weiskopf takes a drop on the left side of the water on 11. So he has to hit like a flop pitch over the top of the water. But his drop is the best part is he puts his hand above his shoulder and just drops it behind his back. Well, that's the old drop. And you forget that that used to be how it was done. And yeah. I saw that and right away I'm like, oh my God. And I, I wrote it down here, but. Um, <laughs> it looks like he's goofing off. It's so weird. It, it's, it's casual. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> it's awesome. It just You wonder why that was ever the rule in the first place. How Why would it matter if you're. <laughs> If it's behind, I mean, you can't see, yeah. you know, the the spot of grass that you're going to drop it into, but That's gotta wouldn't be you it. be able to kind of scout it before yeah. you do it? So, yeah. Absolutely uh, hilarious. Yeah, the drop rule is obviously on everyone's mind now with the new knee height drop, but I mean, It'll the be, knee height yeah. drop is is less bizarre than that was. Mm-hmm. It'll be great when we're doing this podcast in 40 years and we go back to the 2019 Masters and say, oh yeah, remember that one year everybody dropped at knee height? That yep. was weird. Two minutes into the broadcast, they do the intro, they set you up and they take you to the ninth hole. And then there's like three minutes of dead air yeah. that might be a technical glitch, but I actually really enjoyed it because oh, you just so you just kind of hear the crowd noise. Like like Johnny Miller and Weisskopf hit their approaches to nine. The camera's just stuck there on the green and then it just goes dead. But you just hear you hear all the natural sound of kind of what it is. And it's not like it's not like the crowd is really fired up, but it just I thought it actually set the scene really nicely. I don't know that they did that on purpose. I have no idea. It feels like a glitch because yeah. the camera because it's just one shot of the camera just like on two golf balls on the green. Like that can't be what they intended to do. Yeah. But I actually thought it worked as TV because you just never see a mistake. You just never see that much silence during the broadcast no. anymore. Like well, anywhere. It reminds you just how much time passes between golf shots for, for individual players. You know, nowadays it's cutting from this guy to that guy to this guy to that guy. And yeah. this, this kind of just reminds you of what it's like to show you what it's like to actually be at a golf tournament. Yeah. I thought it was cool. And then just, just when I was starting to think that uh, this broadcast was in some ways going to end up being better than what we do today. Then a few minutes later, they're on the 10th hole and somehow uh, we miss the tee shots and we just see the final group putting, yeah. but they're like, they're filming the group putting from basically back at the 10th tee. Yeah. Like, how do we not have a camera on the 10th green? I don't think it was it's on like, the tee, it but it was like, like way back in the fairway. It looked like the Zapruder film of golf. Like, actually, like what are we, what was the lens we were even looking through to show those putts? It was so strange. I actually rewatched that a couple times and I was trying, I thought they were like where 11 T was or were like uh, it would have been 15 T and I couldn't figure out what side they were. Cause you could see a little like leaves, some leaves kind of dangling and blurry. Yeah, it was through like partially it was, through yeah, a tree. Yeah. Like it was the next, <laughs> like it was nuts. the neighbor kid, you know, like yeah. an Augusta country club, like <laughs> filming. Yeah. So at that point in, in 1975, I guess they just didn't have a good camera set up on the 10th. I hole, mean, which, yeah. Which is this like understandable downhill dog leg left. So I don't think they're on the T because 
I think you'd be really running into trees, but I think they're like at least 200 yards away. Yeah. And, and then, yeah, I mean, these guys are little, they're almost kind of like little figures off in the distance missing putts and you you know you, you can't barely, even hear you barely see it you can't, you can't hear even it. hear the audience yeah. react i don't want to sound too spoiled so i'll give them a little credit for being 1975 so they did a lot of things right and we'll get to a lot of those things um one thing that i want to do in every one of these episodes is to appreciate something in particular that is just not something we see nowadays and josh you alluded to this but my favorite thing about the broadcast that we wouldn't see these days are the four caddies and, you know, not, not only are all the caddies, Augusta National caddies, but every hole has people at the green waiting for shots to come in to fix those ball marks before the group gets to the hole. It was bizarre. It was like, how many, what does their fleet of caddies look like? Deep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah super yeah. deep. On 12, Arnie hit that shot, and then I, they showed it again. You could see a caddy marking it right away, and I thought, like, the caddy waiting on 13 like did he jump over and do that or then i saw him again behind 13 green a pair of caddies so then you realize that like they just do that every hole so i love this and i hate it because well i love it because the idea of caddies not having to fix ball marks of their players is pretty great but i hate it obviously because at that point it's painfully obvious that cliff roberts and his age-old quote all the golfers will be white all the caddies will be black very much Cliff Roberts, Augusta National in 1975. All the caddies are black. You have no regular tour caddies out there caddying. And it's just, that is a, that is a very good visual if you didn't know the history of Augusta National of what it was like in the, in the 70s. Yeah, that, that is, that's where golf was. That's where Augusta was. And uh, uh, when you watch a broadcast like that, you realize there's so many things that haven't changed at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's one thing that has, and uh, it's certainly a welcome change. And you think of how much it's changed. That was 1975. 20 minutes ago before we came in here, I was working on something for the Augusta National Women's Amateur. Yeah. So, I mean. Times have changed. Yeah. They, 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 take, they, they took their time in changing, but they, they are changing. Another thing we have to appreciate is the fashion. Uh, Jeff, I That's know it's almost a separate podcast. It might be. I mean, we talked about Jim Thacker's lime green jacket, but I mean, that's kind of like the floor you build up from there. Who is your favorite best dressed? Bruce Devlin. He was only on for like one shot, but it was just a majestic stripe, like yellow, mustard yellow, maroon, black striped shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even know. And then the pants and Weisskopf's yeah, wearing argyle wild. purple <laughs> with like I, maroon, maroon pants, pants. Yeah, and I love it. I actually really yeah. like it. Just think if you had one, like the the argyle purple might have become like an iconic golf look. Like seriously, I'm, I'm to rival like Jack's yellow sweater or something like. You never know. How about like, Johnny Johnny Miller's like boot cut slacks? Those things yeah. were frayed out like he was going to the disco. He looked really good and freaking skinny. Yeah, everybody's so skinny. There was. Tom Watson's like just this little, he's so small and he's in like sky blue shirt, sky blue pants, white belt. Uh, yeah. The, and then, Oh, I also noted Harold or Hailer. <laughs> How could you miss him? <laughs> His green pants with like white piping around the pocket. Shout out, shout out for shooting 64 in those glasses. Uh, yeah. that's, that was, uh, the rules officials are wearing bright red jackets. So there's just like all colors of jackets. There's guys in Navy. Obviously you have the green coats, but rules officials are wearing bright red jackets, which I kind of love because you could easily spot them out if you're a player and <laughs> come over here and help me figure this out. Did you guys see the lady behind 15T? With the pink hat? With the pink hat? Yes. God, okay. 
<laughs> oh man, that <laughs> I was. Rewatch this. Please act. describe. I took this. A, I took a couple screenshots. It was like, it was like a top hat. Like it was pink. So, it was fuzzy. Yes. Like it was like four you know, feet. Like the the kind of hats that your grandma will wear that are like black in the winter and they're very warm and it's like a cylindrical hat that just kind of sits on the top of your head. Yeah. She had this, but it was hot pink. It was like I, probably I a, and she was directly at behind the T. Probably so. ten inches high, foot high, maybe. Yeah. But it was like how you couldn't miss it. She for you could see her behind Weiskopf, Miller, and Jack during their tee shots on fifteen. Yeah, and it was like she was right there. I mean, she was psyched. She big golf fan. This lady, but that hat stuck out. To before me. her time, I mean, in the YouTube era, social media era, she would be her own. Oh, yeah. Yeah. she, she would have been a star. Be a star. Yeah, she, she would have been. Uh, she was a star in my eyes. Uh, not the only headgear. That is worth talking about because top three players not wearing hats. And you see everyone's yeah. majestic Tre- hair. Trevino had a hat. Is there anybody else even in contention? Arnie, w- Arnie wore a visor, but yeah. not a lot of hats. Yeah, which... A lot of sunburns afterwards, <laughs> as it turned out. But yeah. also the freaking hair. I yeah. mean, Johnny Miller, Jack at his like, peak in hair. Weisskopf is kind of working through some things. But <laughs> I mean, like, how many guys on the PGA Tour have long hair right now? Yeah. Not not many. I mean, Robert Rock is famous as like the lone hatless guy. There's yeah. Ollie Schneider Schneider Jans Schneider Johns. He's yeah. is there anybody else even? I can't even think of anybody. No, no. And I think yeah. if they're playing without a hat, there's probably a reason for it. Let's get to the actual golf. Some of them are fun. Some of the Masters tournaments are fun throughout the day. They're exciting all Sunday long. And then they end up in like a procession towards the end where one guy's got a three-shot lead and the last few holes are actually not that fun. I think this was the exact opposite where it was kind of boring. There wasn't that much really good golf being played on the early part of the back nine. But then in the last three holes, it gets really good. Like of the first five holes, Jack, Tom Weisskopf, and Johnny Miller, they played in a collective one over par. So these guys are not playing good. It was pretty tough at the beginning. It just, it, it's there just wasn't a slow. lot going on. And then probably the 14th, 13, 14 is when it really heated up and was mm-hmm. so, so good. Oh, yeah. 14, 15, 16, I think, are the, the kind of holes that yeah. I've mm-hmm. pinpointed. But it's great is that so Jack is playing in the penultimate group. He's playing with Tom Watson, this young little strapping Tom Watson kid. And they're talking about how Tom has shown such great poise because he played with playing with tremendous courage here and poise being paired with Palmer and now Nicholas very high tee shot and a fine one to the 12th he's got a bright future yeah he really does uh, so they're on the 15th hole middle of the fairway and Weisskopf's on 14 Johnny's making a mess of 14 he hits the trees on the first two shots gets an incredible up and down this is when it just starts getting good and Weisskopf makes birdie on 14 and takes the one stroke lead over Jack. And I'm just like looking at this and like Jack's run out of time. And you, it's one of those things where you, you know the result, but you kind of start thinking, how is Tom Weisskopf going to lose this? Well, I think that sequence there was uh, Jack gets to 15. Mm-hmm. He's tied with Weisskopf at the time. He later says in the broad, he later says afterwards he had 245 to the hole. It was a one iron. He said, Damn. just pierces the one iron. Starts and stalking it too. Stalking it, little like subtle club twirl, walks after it. Like he, you could tell he knew it was good. Just staring the whole way, no facial expression. Kind of ruffled this caddy's hair afterwards, <laughs> yeah. you know. But it as rolls it, out to what, like twenty feet beyond the hole, fifteen feet, fifteen the twenty hole. or so. And it was it was such a good shot, and the crowd went nuts. That's the kind of shot that people would freak out about on Twitter right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, if that was if we were watching it 
tonight, people would be losing their mind about Jack's tour sauce. Who had that? Was it Ben Wright that had that hole? He said, oh, my Lord. Yes, it was just it like, was a, I mean, they were freaking out themselves in the broadcast mm-hmm. booth. They knew they saw something that just that would potentially go down in history, even right in that moment. I want to rewind that. Rewind. My favorite quote I've heard, and I'm going to use it in every single game story I write this year. Let's hear it. Speaking of Ben Wright, uh, Jack was walking up to the green on 15. He got a little bit of standing ovation. Ben was trying to like set it up, you know, so profoundly. I'll read it word for word. Well, there will be a standing, be a standing ovation, ovation, I'm sure. I'm sure. There certainly should be for a stroke of that majestic violence that has just been reeled off by Nicholas. A stroke of that majestic violence. <laughs> Majestic, majestic violence. violence. I wrote it down That's too. That's so good. I wrote it That's down so good. Like, I don't know when I'm going to use that. Majestic. We've got to use it some somewhere, someday, somehow. That's so that just was like right. A, That's really good. Yeah. That's an all-time call. So eventually he gets the two-putt birdie, moves on to 16. Weisskopf, Miller, they both birdie it. So all three players birdie the 15th hole. Getting to 16, though, Weisskopf has a one-stroke lead. And it's like, again... How is he going to lose this thing? You know that like something's happening. The train's going to run off the tracks. And Jack hits a really poor approach to the front of the 16th green. I think it's worth noting the 16th hole, far more difficult then than it does now because the pin position was really back far on 16. Yeah, back right. So nothing funnels at the pin. Nothing Everything funnels, funnels away from it and towards the water, towards the Sunday pin today. Exactly. Yeah. Sunday pin's usually back left today, right? Yeah. Back Every, left, middle left. Everything feeds into yeah. it. And that hole is playing 190 yards then. Today it's 170. So like guys are hitting like eight iron at the absolute most today. 190 then when you can't like run it back. Guys are probably hitting five iron into that hole. Completely different hole. And I think that gets lost a little bit, especially as these guys come through. So Jack hits a really bad shot, really. Short right, front edge of the green. 40 feet. 40 feet. Good shot for... uh today's sunday pins he's yes. down there what is what does uh what does tom watson do well that's the whole thing you see jack's here watching and weiskopf has a terrible shot in a 15 um or he misses the green kind of back left chips on not a great chip but then he still he cans his birdie from like 12 15 feet mm-hmm. um jack sees all that he watches all that he's now tied with him the reason he sees that is because Watson is making an absolute mess of 16, Losing hitting two it. in the got water. A, a lot of times. Yeah. So Jack's just sitting there. And I mean, for a lot of people will see this on TV, but if, you know, for those who've been to Augusta, the 15 green and 16 are two of the closest parts right there on the whole course. Everything's right there. I mean, that had to be insanely loud. Oh, so yeah. Jack's just watching all this. And as Tom Watson's trying to get the ball on the green, Tom Watson hits his first shot on 16 into the water, short left. Then goes up probably about 40 yards or so to the edge of the tee box and hits his next approach into the same spot into the water. So he's hitting five. I have no idea why he dropped there. I, I know. Don't know. I don't know. That was just a weird. I've he never must, seen anybody hit a shot. That's where they, always, that's where they skip yeah. the balls across yeah, nowadays. Yeah. But Exactly. And so it was very weird to kind of say goodbye to Tom Watson at that point. It just looked, you know, I guess at that I'd time. I'd be okay. He'd end up he'd end up all right, but he's hitting five. Yeah. He ends up making a quadruple bogey. It goes from six under to two under, and you know lost I guess a couple grand <laughs> in the process. We're talking about that amount of money. <laughs> so Jack has forty feet, and what you were talking about earlier with the caddies freaking out, his caddy freaked out, and 
I think that this putt doesn't get the amount of credit it probably deserves in golf history. Probably because of what Jack did in 86, you know, all mm-hmm. of a sudden that masters like that, that shuffles to the top of the deck for Jack is like, that's his sixth green jacket. And so you lose number his fifth in yeah. some of, in just the way history gets rewritten or written over the top of it. But that putt he made on 16 because of the two things we just talked about. One, he's standing there and watches Weisskopf, mm-hmm. birdie 15. Yeah. He's got a, an inordinate amount of time to think about it because Watson's just flopping around, making a mess of things right in front of him. So he's got more time than you could ever want over a crucial putt. It's 40 feet up the hill. This is not an easy putt. I mean, afterwards, the broadcasters would later I say, I think it's one of the greatest putts I've ever seen in my life. Yes, back on the tee. Weisskopf has to take it this time, having dished it out on the hole before. I never saw such a putt in my life. This is a ridiculously hard putt up that's, that slope. And, and his reaction. He's probably the most animated that I think I've ever seen Jack mm-hmm. Nicholas. I have to go rewatch more Masters broadcasts and to find out and his other major wins, but I doubt there's a more animated moment in his career like, totally. on a golf course. So, you don't yeah, even for see- all those reasons, we should remember it more than we do. And that ball turned so much at the end, too. Like, probably a foot and a half, the last eight, nine feet, it moved to the left. And you can't even see the ball going in on the broadcast because this caddy who's tending the pin jumps into the air as the ball's about to fall in the hole. Like, can you imagine that right now? Like, watching Jordan Spieth make a putt as Greller tends it and then jumps into the air for joy? It's just nuts. You can't even see it go, but you can hear it go because the stands, the crowd goes absolutely insane. All the while, Weisskopf is sitting there on the tee box, who's just seen his lead now become a, a, a share for the lead. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's tied. I mean, I don't want to insinuate that Tom Weisskopf got shook, but he had to be a little bit. Uh, he switched clubs. They never, they never talked about it, but I, they, they cut to the, him on the tee just in time to watch mm-hmm. him switch clubs. I'm assuming he probably clubbed down mm-hmm. since he comes I up so. short of the green. Yeah. <laughs> if he clubbed up, then he was really shook. But uh, I would love to know what he had in his hand or you know what made, him, what made him club down at the end. Maybe he felt like he had a lot of adrenaline running through his body and maybe just didn't hit the shot well. I'm not sure. Yeah. But I mean, I guess he hits he, the, certainly we didn't see his front nine, but you can't imagine he hit a worse shot all day than that. Yeah, he hits the shot short and right far worse than Jack's even was. I want to go back to that quick because one of the best parts of the broadcast that I really love is their commitment to showing players who aren't hitting a shot as things are happening. They're showing Jack as Weisskopf hits his ball into the water on 11, and they're showing Weisskopf as Jack makes his birdie on 16. Like They're totally playing up the drama on the broadcast by trying to figure out how these guys are thinking and reacting to other things that are happening on the golf course which I don't think happens that much these days. Yeah, the 1975 camera work, obviously, you you know, you know, watch golf now. It leaves a little bit to be desired, as you would assume. But they did a great job of you know knowing who the key characters were at that mm-hmm. point. And when Jack had his eagle putt on 15, they had a, they had a split screen. They yeah. had Weisskopf picture walking down the fairway. It didn't really matter because you know, he missed. It wasn't close, and you didn't really get much reaction from the crowd. And the same thing happened on 18 when Jack was sitting up mm-hmm. there waiting uh, Johnny Miller made birdie on 17 yeah. and you could look at Jack and you could tell 
he didn't really shake his head, but you could tell like he knew something was happening. Yeah, totally. I love that. I really love that. And it was immediate too. Immediate. It didn't. It wasn't like a you know four second delay. They went to it right when the ball dropped. Yeah, and, and perhaps part of the you know ceiling they were dealing with as a broadcast team, maybe that was like the best they could do. They had two cameras. Yeah. on the entire course and just kept wheeling. I don't know. Yeah, I mean it's a, a <laughs> great as many options. It's a great thing. Uh, Josh talked about. Johnny Miller making birdie. He makes clutch birdie on 17 and his tour saucing all over it. The ball is like four feet away from the hole and he's already got his hand raised as it's going in. He ties it up. So going into the 18th, you've got Jack who has finished at 12 under. You've got Johnny Miller who is now at 11 under and you've got Weisskopf at 11 under and no one else is close. That's basically the story of the 75 masters on Sunday is that it's these guys and nobody else and I guess that's why it only got interesting towards the end. But the approach shots that Weisskopf and Johnny Miller hit into 18 were really good. Weisskopf almost hits the flag on his approach. You're talking about inches from away from perhaps one of the best shots in golf history. It was hard watching it because we obviously know that Jack wins that tournament when we watch it. What a great tournament that's unfolding. We take that every single year at Augusta mm-hmm. National. You know, the one of the greatest golfers ever in the clubhouse with the lead. And two really big names in golf needing a birdie, the 18th hole coming up in the final group. Like, that's yeah. awesome. I mean, what's, both what's st- the modern equivalent, right? Like Tiger in the house. Yeah, Spieth and Rory, Justin Thomas, Rory, you whatever. You sort of had it mean. last year if you just put in Tiger for Patrick Reed. Right? <laughs> totally. Like, yeah, yeah, then you had Spieth and, Ro- and Ricky taking runs at, on 18. Totally. Yeah, so Weisskopf, he gets a, obviously a great shot in. But when he – I mean, it's probably seven, eight feet away. And then I think to myself, like, oh, this is the putt he misses to lose. Like. Yeah. Yep. It's sad. It's it's sad, but I mean, it it is very interesting. Johnny's got about 15 feet and his putt kind of snaps the last like third of it. And he gave it a good run. I think he hit a good putt, but he misses it and makes his par. And Weisskopf, as you said, he probably eight to 10 feet and he believes it's going to break. And it just doesn't break. I think he hit a good putt too. Yeah, I I thought so. Stroke looked confident. Just didn't break. I think at like a right edge he was aiming, and it looked Mm -hmm. like it was going to turn right away and just kind of stayed out and just – it reminded me he was a little bit left of where uh, where Sergio was. Totally. When he missed on the 72nd hole that would (laughs) have won on the Masters Yeah. before he won in the playoff hole. It was kind of that same – close to that same spot. Mm -hmm. So It's tricky. It's like – I mean, it it shows – that that 18th hole, that Sunday pin location is really, it's really good. You like, really don't want to have to, you really don't want to leave yourself up needing a birdie to win the Masters. No. You know, that is not the, it's, not it's the place It's just tough. Want to be. It's really tough. I don't think you see, I don't think we've seen a lot of like super clutch putts on that pin location outside of Phil, Phil. and Sergio. But Sergio had like two, two cracks two at he it. He could have two putts. Yeah, exactly. So Phil is really one of the very few that. Yeah, twenty footer down the hill. But it, I mean, but it's rare. I mean, it's a perfect for you know excitement because clearly you can get close enough to that hole. You can like the way the the hole is these days. You can hit a good drive and you can have one hundred and fifty in and kind of hit a spinny shot in. So Jack Nicholas wins his fifth Masters, his thirteenth major, and I think that's something that gets a little bit lost. Is we're at we're at Tiger with fourteen. And nobody else in double digits that's playing active. No one else that's active with more than five or six. Phil's got five. So no one has more than that that's active. And and so like this is a bigger, I think this is a bigger moment in golf history than we really remember. And like, like you said, Jeff, 
it always gets rewritten with the next one. Yeah. But Even this, that putt, though, on 16, just skipping ahead a little, but like the putt on 16 is remembered as the putt that won Jack that Masters, right? He didn't even take the lead no. with that putt. He, he just was tied. tied. Yeah. Even the, even when they were rolling the credits at the end, it, it, I think it was Vin, who I love, but I think he got a fact wrong. <laughs> when he, we kind of said, and this is the putt that gave Jack the lead. And, and it, it, we were already remembering it incorrectly. Mm-hmm. That, that Weisskopf really, this was his to lose there for a moment in time late on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't let and it go. He had, Weisskopf had so many chances. He just did not play well on that back nine. He had... Even you go back to 13, he lays up. He has a 60-yard wedge with all the green in front of him, mm-hmm. and he overshoots the green a little bit and has to putt from the fringe. You can't par 13 and expect to win the Masters. I mean, he did birdie 15, and then he missed an easy one on 18. But, mm-hmm. you know, he had it right there. Yeah, he he played the, the final nine in even par. Johnny Miller plays the final nine in three under. Jack plays the final nine in one under. After Jack wins... We have the Butler Cabin interview, which at this point in time was perhaps the best part of every single Masters final round. It's incredible. <laughs> it's just incredible. I think it's so great because so we, we never got to see it before. Like, uh-huh. I didn't start watching the Masters, you know. I didn't. No. I was, I was born in 87. I'm older than Sean, but like, I never. <laughs> yeah. We never got to know. We never got to see that. And it was just, it's. So let's set the scene. Mind boggling. So Pat Summerall is in the back part of the shot behind a couple of chairs and in those chairs are Clifford yeah, couldn't, Robert- get a, couldn't get him a chair somehow couldn't just- get him a chair he's <laughs> standing in the background Clifford Roberts is in one of those chairs yeah. co-founder of the club and the in the other chair is Frank Broyles who just happens to be the head football coach at Arkansas at the time which is so freaking bizarre because they throw it to him and let him conduct the interview as if he is like the maybe he was the, also the communications head or something at the time but He's the head coach of Arkansas football. Like, can you imagine if, like, I don't let's, know, let's, throw it to Lynn, let's throw it to Lynn Swan, <laughs> who's going to now interview Patrick yeah. Reed. It was just very, very <laughs> odd. Um, did you know who he was? Or, I didn't know that. Did you know that? Or did you who search who is this oh, guy? Yeah. I found out because they talked to the low amateur. Who looked terrified to be there. Who was very scared. <laughs> very scared. And he calls Broyles. Like, says, thank you, coach. And oh, so, that's like, why he's head coach. Okay. okay. I thought it was a nickname. I just thought he forgot where he was. Yeah. That's good. Don't know why he's doing the interview. <laughs> that would be a, a hilarious bit to include in, in 2019. But then there's Johnny, Tom, and Jack all seated across from them on this green leather couch just waiting to be queued up to compliment each other. And it's, it's just it's one of those things where you've got one guy winning and two guys losing and no one is like the, the losers just can't be happy about it. It's not quite as awkward as Roberto DiVincenzo from last year, where they had him sit on the couch and then talk to Bob Golby. Yeah, but I don't know what year they stopped this tradition of bringing in like the first runner-ups. Can you imagine? Uh, but I, I want to bring it back, kind of, because it's just it's it's so painful just you to watch the awkward and Ricky Fowler I, I and mean, Jordan Spieth last year man. sitting next to Patrick Reed as he wins his green jacket. What year? What year did they stop doing that? I, I don't. I, don't I think know, we're gonna find out. Hey, in we gotta this find podcast. it. I gotta watch the rest of these broadcasts. But and I mean, they're very gracious though. I mean, Johnny Miller was like, couldn't have been more totally. you know complimentary and and in that moment well spoken. And Wisecoff was 
total gentleman and you know, you know kind of said i can promise you i know i'm gonna get one of these someday you almost that mm. almost was more heartbreaking than the miss putt was like hearing the resolve of totally both agree. miller and Wisecoff and even jack saying oh these guys are gonna win a lot of them. they'll win their tournaments they'll win their masters these guys are gonna win several of them yeah. That was That's that was for me the, part. the most heartbreaking part of the whole show. Was that Wisecoff's? That was his third runner-up no, at the Masters. That was his that was fourth. His fourth. See, that how can you sit there when you've been a runner-up four times? He's like, I'll win this someday. Well, he didn't. We knew that. We, we know that now. Which shades of Rory, right? Don't you kind of feel like Phil? Even like Phil U.S. Open territory. Yeah. At that point, like it's just, well, on the 18th hole, the broadcaster Scully says, "Tom Wisecoff." Three times a bridesmaid, and it's just like, man, that didn't that that comment didn't age well for one. But they just couldn't stop pointing out that you know what, buddy, you're not getting it done again. To his face, yep. they bring him in, <laughs> they sit him down in the chair next to Jack, in between Jack and Johnny, and have this talk. It's just, man, they just don't they don't have TV like that anymore. No. They do a lot of things much better at the Masters with the telecast today, but that that 18th hole Butler cabin ceremony is. It's good as it gets. It's wild. It was for sure a little awkward. I think the best part was when uh, when they started talking to Jack a little bit. Jack kind of made some conversation with Weisskopf and Johnny Miller. And I think that seemed a little more genuine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just guys. At that point, just a bunch of dudes talking golf, right? Which, yes, uh, which, but. Which, hey, I'll subscribe to. <laughs> yes, but. Can you put yourself in that scenario where, like, a perfect example again, last year, let's let's – imagine Patrick Reed talking golf with Ricky and Jordan, but he's just kind of asking them about their round. And this is the guy that just beat you and you've thrown your heart into this final round and Jordan Spieth shoots 64 and Ricky hasn't got his major yet. Like as much as that was great and they were kind of talking about it and complimenting each other. Holy cow. It just had to like, it just has to irk those guys. Like, Oh yeah. That old mean, man Nicholas got it again. And I guess when you put it that way, if that were to happen and Pat Reed says it, Jordan, did you make birdie there? Oh, that was a bogey? Bo- yeah, I guess that does sound like a little bit like a oh, troll. Oh, Jordan, but... you hit such a good tee shot. You just hit that one yeah. little limb of what a pine tree on off 16? the 18th. I didn't see. Uh, that's, yeah, I noticed that limb. Uh, <laughs> such a tough break. Yeah. So, I mean, you're we're exactly right in the sense that that is great TV, but it's sadly no longer with us. One of the final things we need to get to is the Roberto DiVincenzo award i like i want to give out an award for what could have been what like screw up or what fatal error could have changed this tournament and changed golf history probably i was surprised i mean all i really knew going in was that jack was going to win it Mm -hmm. i didn't realize that johnny miller would come up one shot short and he has that power lip out on number 11 that's what i I mean all all the shots count the same so you never know but in that moment, I sort of felt like Miller would probably just kind of fade into the background. I just assumed it was mm-hmm. like a three footer, maybe even less than that, uh, for par. And it, it does like the horseshoe and he ends up coming up one shot short. Yeah. That was my submission. So I think we're, we're in agreement there. I don't know if you have any others, Josh. Well, I was going to say Wisecoff again. I just feel like he had, you know, really what moment though, what singular moment that like what shot? Well, I mean, I think, I think he got a birdie 13. He didn't do it there. Um, and I don't know. You guys bring up a good point about Johnny Miller and piggybacking off that. He shot 75 the first day. His weekend was 65, 66. Yeah. And here he ended up, you know, becoming a runner up the Masters, I think again in 81. I mean, so that's three runners up for him. Never won once. I know we're rewatching the final round, was the stick here, but 
He shot 75 the first day and then tied for second. Yeah, so I think if we're going to give out the Roberto DiVincenzo award, it's got to be Johnny. I mean, can you imagine if he shoots one, two shots? I mean, he had a 25-footer for birdie on 11. So very good chance to make that birdie. That's a two-stroke swing from what he has. Imagine him shooting 64 on Sunday to win at Augusta. I mean, we know he likes to talk about his 63 at the U.S. Open. Can you imagine his golf history, his golf career, his golf broadcasting career, how many times he would reference the nerves he had at Augusta and how he got over them and won against Jack Nicklaus? I mean, we would think about him incredibly differently. His putter raise on 17 when he walks in that putt yes. instead of walking it in to be one down. Totally. Uh, heading it heading to 18 it could have been that could have been tied uh i don't know the other moment i think is weiskopf's tee shot on 16 i mean he watches jack make that putt but he's still tied mm-hmm. he's tied mm-hmm. he still has three holes left and he just hits the worst shot it could have he probably hit all week i think he putted up because it didn't even stay on that ridge it went back down it funneled back down and then he had to putt up my boy uh henry longhurst in the booth there on 16 who not my cup of tea, guys, but he just let he let him have it. He's disappointing for disappointing for Weiskopf. And as as that ball was rolling back down, he said something like uh, expressing the slope very the well, but falling away at the end. And it'll roll down farther and farther, and with it may go. Weiskopf hopes. Wow. They're still tied. Yeah. I, I that's noted the that thing. too. It's like, man, they're really they really were quick to write Weiskopf's mm-hmm. obituary. I yeah, mean it's absolutely. not even even not walking off the green, he's just one back. But that's all it took. The rest of that year, some guy named Lou Graham wins the U.S. Open. One hit wonder. Some guy named Tom Watson breaks through for his first major, his first British Open. Not a one hit wonder. And then some guy named Jack Nicholas wins the PGA Championship in his home state at Firestone Country Club in Ohio. That's it for this episode, but there is more Jack Nicholas to come. Later this week, we'll go from Jack Nicholas to Jack Nicholas. We'll be breaking down the 1986 Masters. You know that one very well. Jack wins his sixth green jacket at 46 when absolutely no one thought he would. You'll enjoy it. See you then.